Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul stresses one thing, Christ. This is his wisdom in pointing the believers in this problem-laden church to the one unique solution to all the problems in the Christian life and in the church life. But in chapter 3, he turns his focus to the church, writing about the church in a marvelous way without ever even using the term church. In this book, his speaking related to the church is not according to the doctrine and teaching regarding the church, but according to life and the growth in life. Francis Ball has joined us for our fellowship today in this life study on 1 Corinthians. Welcome back, Francis. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Francis, in the first few verses in chapter 3, uh, Paul touches, uh, of course, in chapter 1, he already touched this matter of the divisions that had begun to penetrate or permeate the church there, causing a lot of trouble. And uh, what a serious matter that is, even today, in damaging the body of Christ. He somewhat comes back to this point in the first few chapters, but then uses the opportunity, I think, to present something regarding the church that is just priceless, uh, precious, and marvelous. And that's what we will uh, get to today and in the programs to follow. Let's look at a couple of these verses at the beginning, and I'd like your maybe introductory comments before we join Witness Lee today. Again, I'm uh, reading now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first eight or nine verses. And I, brothers, was not able to speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to fleshy, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. But neither yet now are you able, for you are still fleshly. For when someone says, I am of Paul, and another, I of Apollos, are you not men of flesh? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Ministers through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to each one of them. I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So then neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's cultivated land, God's building. What do you think, Francis? Well, Chris, you know, I believe this is so marvelous how the apostle approaches this situation because of so many problems in this church. To try to come in to solve problems would be a hopeless task. But the way he approaches it is the way he writes every one of his epistles from the standpoint of life and building. Yeah. And the transition of these two matters is in verse 9 which I think we will get to. But I'm really impressed with this marvelous way of coming to the matter of the church. In such a problem church, there could be such an emphasis is really marvelous. 
As he introduced the problem of division in chapter 1, we saw that some were choosing up their favorite so-called apostles or gifted ones and creating a following after this person or that person. And here he points out that in the ministry in the New Testament, really there was no division between Paul and Apollos. They were both doing one work, weren't they? That's exactly right, and it's uh, very important to see this because this is the root of so much division among Christians. Yeah, really so. Well, uh, we are God's cultivated land, God's farm, and we'll become God's building, as we'll find out in the coming days. But uh, this puts the church in a very organic kind of realm, doesn't it, today? I think that's the, uh, the right word to use, that this is not something of doctrine as much as it is something of life and the application of life. This matter of sowing and watering and God giving the increase is quite prevailing in this portion and really the only way to handle the problems that were in Corinth. Why don't we join Winnes Lee with the first portion and then we'll have a chance to come back for some more time together, Francis. Good. Paul's writing is really marvelous. He talked about the church, yet so wonderful, he never used the word church. The way he talked about the church is altogether in the way of life. It is not in the way of doctrine. And uh, even not in the way of the doctrine of life, but in the way of the experience of life. He talk about the church in the way of life, in the way of experience. I don't believe beside Paul there had ever been such a writer. He says, I planted a palace watered, but God made to grow. So that neither is the one who plants, that's me, anything. Now the one who waters there's Apollos, anything. But the one who makes to grow, that's God. He is the real thing. The planter, the waterer, both are nearly nothing. But God is the real thing that gives growth to the plants. Verse 8, he who plants and he who waters are one. Very good. Paul and Apollos are one. Then why you divide us? You see, we are one. I, Paul, am one with Apollos. And Apollos is one with me. But why you divide us? Why you say you are of him and some of you say you are of me? To say this way, you just divide us. But we are just one. One in God-given ministry. I planted and he watered. These are one ministry. And uh, each one shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's farm and God's building. It is by this way from verse 1 he reaches at the church. Francis, I think 
both verse 8 and verse 9 are worth uh, spending a little time on here. In verse 8, we get this very strong word by the apostle that no division between he and Apollos. The problem wasn't between them. The problem was in Corinth with these believers choosing up sides and trying to create some kind of division. But the point is they were just laborers, co-working, co-laboring with God on his farm. And what a synonym this becomes for the church in this book, isn't it? It really is quite something here to see the situation of this farm required some planting and then some watering. And that implies and even indicates very nearly that uh, this had to be one work. These are co-workers together with God. And it goes on to say that God gives the growth. So uh, these two workers are not at odds with one another. Neither are they trying to build up their own ministry in opposition to each other. But this is certainly a different situation than what we see so much today. There's just the building up of a ministry in opposition and in competition with another ministry. But if we had the realization that we are all co-workers together with God and that we have our portion for our labor and that we will receive a reward according to the labor that we do. And he points out here that Paul and Apollos are really one. And for them to choose sides and prefer one over the other really causes a division. And we've seen already in this life study that division is the number one problem that caused all the other problems that came into the church in Corinth. So it's wonderful how Paul approaches this in such a, a straightforward, definite way, maintaining the oneness of the two workers, Paul and Apollos, and really condemning the division that caused by preferring one over the other. I think as you um, go further into Paul's writings throughout the New Testament, it's clear that this kind of view somewhat governed all of his work and his writing throughout his whole ministry. He saw the church in this kind of context, not as his stage for him to develop his so-called ministry and a following. He really proves in this particular case with Corinth that he's not going to allow somebody to be a follower of him because he wants people to be one in the one farm, growing and uh, producing. So we just need to see this kind of aspect of Paul's ministry as always with a total picture of God's church. The church is his center, and life and building are really the key words to all of his ministry. Uh, Francis, as we go on today in the message, we need to underscore, I think, that everything now that is spoken related to the church, whether or not the term church is actually used, this is now the center of what Paul is really coming to. But it's all in, in this understanding that the church is this organic, growing place. And even we, the believers, are just but plants in this growing place, this cultivated land or farm, if we want to use these terms. In the coming portion, Witness Lee is going to refer back to something we saw, well, maybe a couple of weeks ago in chapter 1, and that is this term, the initial gifts. A lot of believers talk a lot about the gifts, and normally in reference to the miraculous Mm -hmm. things that come up in the later chapters in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, first mentioned the matter of gift, it said, so that you do not lack in any gift, eagerly awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the life study message we had on that verse. 
pointed out that the gifts here in chapter 1 are not the same thing, are they, as the miraculous gifts that he comes to later on? No, that's very important to realize because even the word gifts brings into people's mind many times of being able to do something either supernatural or very particular and very exalting and very attention-getting. But what Paul's talking about here are the initial gifts and have to do with life. Right. The gift of eternal life is one of the aspects of the gift that we receive when we receive Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit. These are the two initial gifts. Let's join Witness Lee Francis. Paul considered us, all the believers, plans. As plans, we need the growth. The initial gifts were given for growth. Eternal life was given for growth. And the Holy Spirit was given for growth. But sorry to say, the very crucial thing that is missing among today's Christians is the matter of the initial gifts for the growth of life. You all have to realize you have God divine life in you and you have the Spirit indwelling you. All these are the initial gifts that by them you can grow. You need to grow. The Corinthian believers have received the initial gifts of life as the seed. The seed has been sown into their being. And their being becomes the earth to grow the seed. They still need the growth in life for the development of the gift they have received. A lot of Christians today talk about the gifts. Yet, they don't realize the gifts mentioned in chapter 1 are different from the gifts in chapters 12 and 14. In chapter 12 and 14, the gifts are not the initial gifts. Some in those two chapters are miraculous gifts. Just like Balaam's donkey out of a sudden spoke human language. That was a gift. But that was not a kind of initial gift in life. You all know that didn't help Balaam a bit in life. Could you see that? Francis, at this stage in the book, when Paul is really now uh, coming to and bringing the Corinthian believers to the solution to their problems, the kind of gift that he is talking about at this stage is not the miraculous things, but it's the gift of, as you said before, the eternal life, the Holy Spirit, both of which become the components whereby we can grow as believers in the divine life. And this is ultimately the solution to all our problems, isn't it? That is really true. And nearly every Christian, early in his life, in his Christian life, he has the realization that he needs to grow. But so many times he's taught that to grow just means to get more knowledge, to get more doctrines, mm -hmm. or to get more power. That's not growth. The growth that we need is the growth in life. 
Christ is our life now, and we need to grow in this eternal life. And that is accomplished by exercising our spirit where this life has been planted. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit is also a gift in which we must grow. And the spirit within us is mingled with the the divine spirit so that we have the divine and human spirit mingled as one. Later in this uh, book, Paul mentions that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So this spirit in us is the uh, growing element, the growing entity that's within us that's spreading to the other parts of our being, from our spirit into all the inward parts of our being. This is growth. This is the growth in life. This is the growth in the spirit. This is the growth in Christ. And it's not a matter just of merely doctrinal knowledge. Of course, doctrines become involved. That explains what happens to us. It's not the cause. Mm -hmm. Learning the doctrines is not the cause or actually the growth. That can be just merely knowledge, which is in the mind, but it has nothing to do with our spiritual growth. And we'll see, I think, before this message is over today, we'll see that we really need this growth to uh, be the, the proper plants growing and becoming more and more the farm that God wants. It seems, uh, really, this book points us to two things that have their place, but have been perhaps overemphasized or had their priority unnecessarily elevated. And these two things, of course, being the knowledge that you talked about and the miraculous gifts that he was referring to here. And we would not deny that either have their place, as we said, in the Christian life, in the church life. But the emphasis must be on life because the... Mere knowledge certainly does not fundamentally change us, nor do even the miraculous things. Uh, in this case, he used the example of Balaam and the donkey that was mm-hmm. given the miraculous gift of human language. But fundamentally, that didn't change Balaam a bit, did it? Right. Why don't we go back to Witness Lee Francis for our final portion today, and then we'll have a chance to come back, I think, to this very significant uh, concluding point about the importance of the experience of life in growth. The spirit of the writer in this chapter is to help those believers who have received the initial gifts to realize what they have and what they need. What they have, divine life and the Holy Spirit. What they need to grow in these two things. To grow in the divine life and to grow in the Holy Spirit. And how could they grow? Well, some of the saints may water them. But only God himself gives growth. So what? So they must go to God. And the watering ones must help them to come to God. Actually, the best watering is to come to God. If you can help a weaker one just to come to God a little bit, that is the real watering. And the watering brings the ingredients of life into these believers. And these ingredients will be additional supply of life. You see, just as you add some fertilizer to the plants, then spontaneously the plants will grow. By what? By the additional life supply. 
Christ is given to you and me as our portion. And this dear one today is the life-giving spirit. And he indwells our spirit. All the time we have to turn to our spirit. And here in our spirit, we are one spirit with him. You just contact him in this way. You get water, you get nourished, you get supplied, spontaneously you will grow. Then water others. Don't try to solve people's problems. Don't try to help people to grow. But you just spend a little time to contact God with them. Then you water them. Then they will grow. This is the growth in life that is needed. I hope that we all will see this and we all will live in this and we all will function in this way. Planting, watering, living the growth to God. I feel like those are words that are worthy to be placed on a plaque on my wall above my bed so that I would see them first thing every morning. <laughs> Very good. We should focus ourselves on planting and watering and leaving the growth to God. That's right. It's too uh, frequent that we try to take over God's work in our way to help people to grow, and we think by solving their problems we'll help them to grow. Actually, we just complicate their life that much more. <laughs> the only thing that really helps them is to touch the Lord. Yeah. And if we could take a new believer or someone who's having some kind of difficulty and just pray with him and pray read the word with him and help him to touch the Lord, he will grow. God will cause the growth. We can water and we certainly have to plant, but we have to uh, leave the growth up to the Lord. He only can do the causing of the real growth. Francis, I heard Witness Lee say a number of times when the different ones would come to him with their problems. Uh, eventually, they got tired of coming because they knew exactly what he was going to say, didn't they? Yeah, he would. I, I know that Brother Lee would always say, uh, you just pray, or let's touch the Lord, or let's pray read a verse. He would just turn them to the Lord in them. This is the only way they can really grow. Any of us can grow only by God becoming real in our life in every way. So to uh, touch the Lord in the Word and to touch the Lord by calling on Him mm -hmm. and by fellowshipping with another brother, not about the problems, but about the Lord Himself, this will cause the growth. I've uh, had the opportunity of watching you for the last several years, Francis, in the church in which you have some responsibility, and I've been uh, always very much inspired by the fact that you're very often visiting and uh spending time with the saints, and many of the times uh, those are with ones who we might consider as being weaker or having problems, and uh, I've watched you employ this very much yourself as the real solution to all of the problems in the church, and I think that we could all benefit from this kind of uh, experience, couldn't we? Well, I hope neither I or anyone else will be a cause of any kind of division <laughs> right. or trying to build up any kind of following. We need to plant and we need to water. That's our place. Whatever we have, we can do that. Sometimes we can do each one of those things. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water. But we should all be the ones that are just exercising to bring people to the growth in life so God can cause the growth and they can be out of the fleshly things and into the reality 
of the growth of the life on the farm. Amen. Thanks, Francis. Wonderful message today, and I'm glad uh, in the Lord's arrangement you were able to share uh, the time together today. Thank you. I really enjoy this time. Well, we'll return tomorrow. Before we go, we'd like to, as we always do, invite you to contact us. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. You can also write to us. It's Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. We hope you'll be able to be with us for all of these programs on First Corinthians, a marvelous life study we're well into by now and uh, much ahead that we will be benefited by by seeing the word opened up in such a way, uh, not focusing on doctrine and teaching, but really focusing on life, the growth of life, and the experience of the divine life. And this really is the church. Amen. For Francis Paul today and Chris Wild, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia, and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man, in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.